Hello, you're very welcome to Purple Psychology Podcast. We're on episode 60 and we're talking about judgments. Are there judgments in therapy? Uh, with us today again is Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. Very welcome, Nisha. Hello. How are you? Nisha, what kind of feedback do you receive from clients who have engaged in other therapies? Um, well, ultimately, there's a sense that everybody that comes to me is going to somebody else, that I, they haven't necessarily had a resolution, that they don't feel that it's being very practical orientated, and that they haven't sort of walked away specifically knowing what tasks they need to do or having a sort of a plan to follow. Um, I think they're usually quite surprised that by the end of the session there's a sort of a, a task list and a definitive set of objectives and goals to follow when you work with me. So I think that's a big difference. Okay. Um, how does, say, for example, psychotherapy um, work with people who are dyslexic, given that psychotherapists will say that they concentrate on the words that come out in sessions? Yeah, I, I, this is where I, I started to wonder, like, why I felt that there was so much judgment. And I suppose, for me, it's like as if other therapists have a manual that they follow and they have a certain set expectations. And, like, for instance, with dyslexia, it's quite common for people to not have a very strong vocabulary if they haven't been reading and talk about mm. um, things, stuff, it. Um, like, I had to do a lot of work at a certain age to start to develop my vocabulary because I hadn't been reading myself. And what I commonly see in very small um, children with dyslexia is, is that they'll rush to tell you things and they won't get the words out and they'll tumble over each other and they might struggle to start to tell a story but then they'll kind of get into the flow and then they have to get all the words out and so there's a sort of an anxiety that goes with it. And like one of the worst examples I, I heard of was a child who became so frustrated because quite often in particularly in the psychological assessments and I've done them myself you know you put you have a set of tasks which you're tested on and there's a real sense of being tested and whether there's a right answer so with me I always say to people there isn't any right answer there's just your answer and I'll never let people know if they've done a task right or wrong I just I'll just sort of move on or I just I just diffuse it People don't really, I don't react to things. So people don't know whether or not they've given me a, a good answer or a bad answer or um, whether they haven't haven't done that right or they've mm, interpreted the question completely wrong in some mm. cases. And um, it's quite common for adult clients to sort of keep repeatedly asking me, oh, have I have I got that right? What what do I need to do? Is that the right answer? You know, so, they, so they've come with a lot of baggage quite often to the sessions and they're constantly checking what they need to do. But with really small children, like, you know, they become, become so frustrated that, you know, they grab hold of the table and, you know, mm. feel really agitated. And then that's recorded. Their agitation is recorded or their physicality is recorded. And there's a lot of a huge amount of assumptions, like, you know, mm. that, you know, like you can see in a session that someone might become uncomfortable or find it difficult to talk about something or be a little bit more closed or something's a bit harder. And I suppose my reaction is, is to help them out, mm. not to sort of tick a box on a form and say, oh, close down for that. That's a huge issue, mm. you know. So that's the sort of judgments that I, I find very difficult. Mm. Mm. And I, I don't find them very constructive. And I certainly don't think you can purely test someone's language patterns and make huge assumptions on that either. Okay. How do you, how do you think that judgments affect somebody who, who is already struggling? You know, um, feeling um, 
that they have to meet a certain criteria or that they can't just sit down and speak without feeling guarded? There's this sense of, oh, I'm doing everything wrong and um, I'm I'm going to be graded badly on that or um, I'm never going to work through this or I can't show the person what I can't do. Like I always say to my team, it's a huge privilege to see what someone can't do. Like I personally don't like showing people my handwriting Mm. and there's very few people um, who will ever get to see my handwriting like if you get a Christmas card for me it's a big deal because I don't want to show people that that my writing is not eloquently scripted you know or that I I spell stuff wrong Mm. and that I make mistakes Mm. so so it's it's a big deal to show people these things And, and in fact during the sessions I don't use pens as well so that there's less of an emphasis on people being neat because I'm not looking for pristine creative work. I'm, I'm looking for a more creative approach. And I'm just looking for you to do the task honestly, not to worry about how you've presented it to me. So that mm. kind of takes the pressure and takes the judgment off too. So there's mm. lots of little things you can do to, to take that factor out of things mm. as well. Mm-hmm. I haven't got emails and, and, and texts and stuff from you and your spelling's perfect. That, uh, or very good for, for the most part. How? Being a dyslexic, how is that so? Um, I use endless accessibility features on all of my devices. I quite often write things in other platforms so that they're spell check properly. Um, It talks to me when it replaces words so I can make sure it's replaced it with the right word. And I I use um, Grammarly a lot. Um, And in fact, my Grammarly stats weekly are highly entertaining because I always know if I'm having a really bad dyslexic week. So (laughs) normally I use Grammarly about, it usually tells me I use it 97% more than other users. My vocabulary (laughs) is 97% higher than average users. And my accuracy was down to 8% last week. Okay. So I'm off the scale in terms of the amount of unique words I use Mm. and the way that I talk. But I can't, that's how many of them I have to correct and how much red squiggles there are. So, um, but nobody ever gets to see that. But like, you can imagine that gap yeah, yeah. or that level of frustration. So yeah, absolutely. it's no wonder that I have to work completely quiet or I go completely bonkers. <laughs> how is what you do with clients different? I started to, to think about this, like I did a, a quote um, um, about a year ago. Hmm. There's a difference between knowing people and understanding them. Knowing them requires permission. It's important ethically to have this boundary. So I approach people with understanding and I give them a template which is an understanding, which is somewhat generic, Mm. but specialised for them in, in, in the way that they're working and maybe what the keys are for them. So... It's all about understanding. I I don't research people before I work with them, and I don't even research living people that I might like to meet. I I don't feel that it's fair to do that. Um, I go to everything with an open mind, and people let me see what they want me to see Mm. and tell me what they want me to Mm. know. Mm. And that's different, because that that is that permission element. Mm. And for me, too, the other element is that I don't just open Pandora's box spread it all out on the table mm. and then go, yeah, right, there you are, there, there's all your problems. And I, I do see that happen with people and they have all this stuff floating around and it, it's not really being sort of looked at. And there's a time element too, like I have a designated period of time to work with people which is very intense and I expect to have got to a certain place with them and I expect them to feel ownership 
of what's happened mm. and to have a task list a very practical task list to deal with all the things of Pandora's box that you've opened up to mm. deal with all those little, little, mm. little areas and I don't expect them to feel dependent on me I am there mm. but for me I quite often have to chase clients to find out how they're doing and the stories mm. I get back for them are that they're flying and that everything's going well and they might have one little question of oh I was thinking of doing this and what do you think about that and it's a sort of a bounce pad but they don't have a dependency they don't have to have a weekly session or you know feel like oh I have to see that person next week to talk because mm. I haven't resolved any of that stuff and I've, I've been having these dreams and I'm writing all that stuff in the journal and oh I, it's still all there and I don't know what to do with it mm. so for me like you, you have to close things off mm. and you have to have a, t- a time frame to do them in as, as well as all of the, the judgment sides of things and you don't just apply it to a, a textbook so there'll be a set of goals very much I and always a time frame so it's kind yeah. of like life coaching yeah well I, I always approach things with the end goal in mind yeah yeah, yeah I have to okay yeah when we were talking earlier you mentioned like I always thought that you were worked with people who were trying to get on a course or improve the way they learn or find new strategies around the way they learn but you actually have a, a, a really wide variety of um, clients to present to you on with, with really different kind of um, yeah, there's challenges a, and, yeah, and there's difficulties. An en- yeah, there's an endless list on my website of what mm. I've worked with today. Mm. Like, I just... There's constantly news stories. It's everything from people not progressing in the workplace to maybe not feeling that they're in relationships or that they're not working or... Um, the, the whole life balance isn't right or the dynamic in the family or that they're not that they feel hugely stressed within the workplace and that they're not managing to cope with everything and then there is a learning mm. style to that too mm. yeah there's just something or there's people who who maybe have um left school at certain ages and not done anything with themselves for years mm. um, or repeatedly tried to do things and dropped out of them and then there's a whole series of various types of abuse and um mm. There's self-harm, mm. um, depression, anxiety. I don't know. There's there's a whole list of people there. And you, you say when people, when a lot of your clients come, you've said before that when a lot of your clients come to you, that, that a lot of the time their self-esteem is on the floor because they've tried other things and experienced rejections or judgments or, um, you know, do, do you find do you find this a lot? Yeah, I do, and I'm I'm a bit kind of a bit horrified by it in some ways, and I, I find it quite bizarre. Like one of the phrases that's consistently come up mm. in in feedback to me is that I don't feel judged, mm. and 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 I find that um, it's a great statement, mm. and I'm really glad that I you know because I'm not a judgmental person, mm. and I I don't think anything shocks me, or I don't react to anything, and whatever mm. someone's story is, or whatever their background is, well, you know that's that, mm. you know, so. And I suppose um, it was the Jung's idea that you're not what's happened to you, you're what you become. Mm. So I very much have that kind of approach. But I am a bit surprised that everybody's gone through these experiences and felt judged. Mm. Does it disappoint you to think that therapies, like, and there's a huge range of therapies that people can um, access, they seem to be passing on judgments to clients? Yeah, it does. It does disturb me, and it disturbs me in the assessments, um, particularly in in schools, mm. that that people feel so judged. Yeah, it, it's supposed to be something that's that's helping them. Um, and it's certainly something you'd see on every website of every counselor, psychotherapist, 
psychologist. Uh, this is a non-judgmental space. It's it's concerning that if people are coming yeah, out and, feeling and, judged. Yeah, and but I think I think the judgments are are, are seeping in in sort of quite hidden ways in mm. that. I, I'm assessing your physicality and making X assumptions on it. I I know that you're dyslexic, so I assume that you didn't do well in education. I am studying your language patterns, and I make those assumptions on that. Your mother um, had this experience, so she must have passed that on to you. That one particularly irritates me because I, I have a great deal of respect for people who rewrite the record and who make changes. And so I, I really dislike... For someone to to make an assumption based on their mother was adopted or their father left or whatever it is, you know, and, it, mm. and that those ones really bother me. Mm. But there's so the judgments are in funny kind of ways. They're in mm. this assumption land that people people go to. Okay, and when you say people, do you mean therapists? Yeah. Okay. After you work with clients, do you, do you find that you 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 come up with solutions that the clients? go away with a problem solved in less time is is that no, that's that's the ultimate goal for me like mm. you know like I, I that the ultimate goal is that they they have to have a solution and they have to have mm. some tasks to do that's going to take them to a point and that they're going to achieve and whatever it is that they're trying to achieve so like, do you work on them with mindset before you give them those goals do you know, like, if, if they're, say, if they have low self-esteem, for example, do you work on that with them before you give them a set of goals? No, or do I you think do them alongside each other? I do them all alongside mm. each other. I, I think people are much more complex. And mm. I, think, I think that's maybe why some of the assumptions bother me, because it's also well to say, like, you know, that a certain personality needs certain things. But then there's the environmental factor. And if there is something that happens, it might have happened three generations beyond. And, mm. you know, like, it, people are very complicated. Like, I just describe them as like onions where you have to peel back the layers and it matters what layers you peel them back mm. you know so yeah it's, it's quite complicated um, and like I, I wrote an article over the weekend on on, on Pinna Bush and her way of working with dancers she understood those complexities and, mm. and that, that's what I, I, I really admired about her but mm. yeah it's very complicated you can't you can't just go oh it's that mm-hmm. Happy to leave it there, Dr. Nisha? Yep. Okay, we'll leave it there. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Nisha O'Reilly.